bit of teaching and then I've got an activity. But I want to ask us a question this morning. What is your core purpose? I think a theme I've personally been running now with for probably about six weeks is being a prophetic people. And I'm stuck with this. So God seems to be keep on giving me stuff that keeps me on this theme. So I'm asking you the question, what is your core purpose? What do you get up for every morning? You know, we, most of us don't leap out of bed thinking, great, I've got to go to work today. For many of us, work is just something that we, we, we go to to do something else. Maybe it's just to earn money. I had a friend who went to work so that they could earn enough money to go scuba diving every week. They loved scuba diving. Scuba diving was what they lived for. And so their, their purpose for living was to go scuba diving. And work was something that enabled them to do what they wanted to do. And sometimes work can be, you know, sometimes there are days when I, not, not church stuff, but there are days when I'm doing stuff and I think, do you know, this is hard slog, but it's for a purpose. If you want to imagine something here, imagine a stick of rock, a stick of candy that you'd buy at the beach. If you go to Brighton, if you go on the beach there, there'll be shops and they'll be selling sticks of rock, sticks of candy. And right down the middle of the candy, it says Brighton. Welcome to Brighton. Now, here's the thing about it. It doesn't matter where you break it. It doesn't matter where you break it. It still says Brighton. If you break it in the middle, it says Brighton. If you break it at the end, it says Brighton. If I broke you open today, what would you say down the middle? What is your core purpose? So... I hope we're going to cover a bit of this. I've got an activity I'd like you to think about. Thanks, Simon. Let's, let's kind of think about this as something to do. Let me ask you a question. If you're not sure even how to start to think about this, what do people say about you? If someone followed your trail, where would it lead? You know, it's, we, there's a saying that goes in leadership that says, if you want to know whether you're a leader, look over your shoulder. And if there's somebody following you, you're probably a leader. If they're a long way back, you're probably leading too quickly. If they're walking with you, you're, you're co-leading, you're peer leading. But if you, you know, if, if somebody followed you, where would you take them? If you had a speech, imagine, so, so those who are under 50, imagine you get to your 50th birthday and you're going to have a party and a speech is going to be given. If you're over 50, like I am, then imagine maybe your 80th birthday party. I don't think we've got anybody over 80. So imagine your 80th birthday party. Maybe everybody's celebrating. What would be said at your 80th birthday party? What would be in that speech? What would people say about you? Looking back over your last 50 or 80 years, what would they say about you? He was a good guy. He loved music. He was reliable. I don't know. Think about it for yourself. And, and don't think this is just a mental exercise. I've got a worksheet and you've got post-it notes and pens on the... In the moment, we're going to step into this. Um, if, you were, if, you're, if you were younger, if you were going to apply to university, what would your university application say? There's a thing in business now that talks about a 360 review. 360 degrees is a complete circle. And 360 review would say, talk to your bosses. What do they say about you? Talk to the people who work with you, who are similar level to you. and Talk to the people who work for you. What do they say about you? A 360 review. Because sometimes people can look good on the outside, but on the inside, they're a bit different. Or they can look good in public, but in private, they're terrible to live with. What is your 360 review? And think about this. Maybe if you don't work, think about your family and your friends. What would they say about you? you know, if somebody had to write you a reference, what would they say about you? 
um, I had a headmaster many, many years ago when I was teaching. I had a headmaster and I needed to get a reference. So I said, Norman, would you write me a headmaster reference? And he said, yeah, happy to, Dave. And then after a few days he hadn't written, I said, could you write it for me so I can send it off? He said, Dave, you write it. And so he said, I'll just change the bits I don't agree with and then we'll send it off. Now, I don't know what you think, but I found that really hard to write about myself as if I... Because, you know, I, I, I try to be a little humble, but, you know, a reference is not about being humble. It's about being proud, declaring the good things that you've done, what you're good at. So there's a real tension, a real thing. What would people say about you? If you wrote a book, what would it say on the back of the book about you? I guess the question I'm asking you today is, what is your core purpose? Because I think if we have an understanding about what our core purpose is, we can step into destiny. And um, so let, let's do that today. Thanks, Simon. Now, some of us might describe our core purpose about where we've been. What journey? Where we come from? Yeah, if we go to a cheese and wine party, if we go to a, a tea party, the typical questions we ask are, and we, we, we're meeting a stranger. Hi, how are you? What's your name? That's the first thing. Okay, hi. and now I know your name. Where do you come from? And then we typically get into family stuff and maybe a bit around uh, what you do. And then maybe if you went a little bit further, you might talk about how do you know the people whose party it is? And then, then where do you go? Do you know what? I feel even after you could be talking to someone for 15 to 20 minutes, you still don't really know anything about them. You know their name, you know their job, you know how many kids they've got and where they come from, but you don't know anything about them, not the things that really matter. Let me ask you some questions to get to what really matters. What, wakes you, what, what, what gets you out of bed in the morning thinking, yeah, this is a great day? There's a question. What do you fear? There's another challenging question. Where will you be in 10 years' time? What wakes you up in the middle of the night? These are all great questions, and yet we don't ask them of, of people. Sometimes we can know people for years and years and years and years and know just their name and some smattering of their week. You know, they, they, you know maybe whether they've had a good week or a bad week, but we don't know. Inside, they're desperate for uh, a breakthrough. Inside, they're an unfulfilled artist, and they just want to paint somewhere. I didn't know, for example, that Ruth played the piano. It's only a circumstance that happened this week that Ruth, Ruth's brother got, had her guitar and she was leading worship. She said, Dave, do you mind if uh, I don't lead from the guitar this morning, I lead from the piano? And I went, no problem. Didn't even know. Thank you, Ruth, showing us another one of your skills and your talents. And here's a prayer point for you in the midst of the, the kind of short talk first thing. Yeah, we, 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 Ruth is going off to university next month. Next month. So we need to find a replacement for Ruth. I mean that from a worship point of view, but I also mean that from a student point of view as well. So please pray that God gives us Ruth number two. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good, Gordon. Why not? Let's have a prophetic statement there. Ten people to replace the one. Ten worship leaders. Why not? And, and so sometimes the way we describe ourselves is where we've been and what we've done. This is actually something I did for a course I was on. And this is my history. Julia would tell you she'd recognise a number of these pictures, a number of these places. I'm not going to go through it now, but we so often describe ourselves with who we are and what we've done. And the good things and the bad things that have happened to us. And uh, you know, often that kind of constrains us, limits us, challenges us. But 
I want to get beyond your history because, do you know, we are not constrained by our history. I'll say that again because I think that's important. We are not constrained by our history. If you come from a family that's broken, it doesn't matter because God can change us. If you, come from a, if you come from a place where you don't know your parents, it doesn't matter because God can change things. If, you know, there's stuff in our history that God can rewrite. He can re-perspective things. And so consequently, although history, we, we as humans think history is so, so, so important. But actually, sometimes it becomes a shackle around our ankle and stops us being becoming who God wants us to be. So let's move on from history. Let's not think too much about history. You can ask questions about that. Actually, I shouldn't have shown you this slide before I gave you the answers. There are names in English history that mean something. Think about your name. Think about your surname. So if your name is Cooperman, a Cooper is someone who makes barrels. And therefore, someone whose name is Cooperman would be from a family of people who make barrels. And often the father passed on the trade to the son and so on. So if your name is Cooperman, then probably somewhere in your history, somebody made barrels. Um, and I've got some other examples on here. I'll just explore a few here. Um, if, for example, Kirkwood, if your name's Kirkwood, then Kirk means a church in, Scot in Scottish, in, in, in Scotland. And so Kirkwood would be, you're from a, a church family or near a church or maybe, uh, you know, from a, a ministerial family. And, you know, I've gone multicultural here. I've got different languages here. I'll let you follow and think about some of these things later. But, you know, for example, Beckenbauer. Anybody know the name Beckenbauer? Why is Beckenbauer famous? Famous footballer? Yeah, Franz Beckenbauer. Okay, for the football sports. For the people who, who like football, you're with me. For the people who don't like football, I've just lost you. But Beckenbauer is a German name for a bowl maker. Bauer, a, a, a bowl. Yeah. So a bowl maker. So actually our names mean something. Now here's, here's a funny little thing. Um, if you ever go to a craft fair, you'll often find people there who are talking about, we, I can, we can show you your coat of arms. If you, and if you if you've got come from a historical British family or maybe a European family, they can go back through history and come up with your coat of arms where you've come from and tell you something. Now here's something I find fascinating, and you can help me with my research here. I don't know anybody apart from my wife and my mother, uh, my stepmom, and my sister who've got my family name food. I've never met anybody who's got the same surname as me apart from the people in my family. Now, I don't know whether you can say that. If there's anybody else, can anybody else say that? You've never met somebody with your family name who's not part of your family. Maiden name, yeah? Okay, so there is a few, but it's not common. Yeah, but it's, 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 it's not common. You know, often you meet people. So if you ever meet somebody called Food, you have my permission to, to you know, to connect us because I'd love to meet somebody who's from the wider family. But I went to one of these craft fairs many years ago and I went up to the, the stand and I said... So what's your name then? And they've got all these books and they can look up all these things. And uh, I gave them my name. They said, oh, that's an interesting name. Never heard that one before. And then they went and started looking and they couldn't find anything. And then they looked some more and they said, look, I'll tell you what, leave, me, leave your email with us. We'll go and do some research. And they basically came back and said, we think it's a derivative of wood. And I think, oh, that's really boring. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to be a wood. I want to be food. And so, you know, it was an interesting thing. So now I walk up to all of these guys and go, okay, 
come on then, see if you can find my, 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 my shield or coat of arms. And they can't. Anyway, that's nothing to do with what I wanted to share. But um, you know, Often these names came out of nicknames. It wasn't just what you did. They came from you know, Samuelson is son of Samuel. What, you know, and you can keep on unpacking these names. You can find out what these names mean. If you don't know what your name means, it's a really easy thing to look up on the web. But, you know, so history matters in terms of names. And, and the Bible talks about and Abram became Abraham you know, because God renamed him you know, and said, you will be the father of many nations. So names mean something. And I know parents are very thoughtful about the names that they gave you. you know, um, Here's an interesting Nigerian thing that you may not know, but uh, Sharon Kumbi, who were part of our church for many, many years, the culture in Nigeria is when the child is born, everybody has a right to suggest a name for the child. So grandma suggests something, brother suggests something, auntie suggests something, Amola's got father, and I suggested something, and all these names were put into the pot, and then on the eighth day, I think it was, um, then the, out of those names... Um, the parents chose the names that the child was going to be known by. So Olu, who's the older brother of Ola, he chose Sophie as a name. And he still calls sometimes when he wants to kind of wind her up the name Sophie. And she's still meant to respond to that. And so she's got all these names, but there's some that the parents choose. So names mean something. And names are important. So... There's a bit more unpacking. So, I'm asking you this morning, what is your core purpose? What makes you tick? If you were a stick of rock, there's a stick of rock. And for me, my understanding about a core purpose, prophetic destiny maybe is another way of thinking about it. Something that you do every day, something you find yourself doing, will be your greatest place of fruitfulness, your place of satisfaction, your greatest place of energy. Now, if you love helping people to solve puzzles... And I've seen it, you know, people, business puzzles, um, if you like undoing, sorting out problems, you get stuck into sorting out problems. John, who lives with us, is a really practical guy. If he sees a practical problem and sees me struggling with it, he'll come in and help me, because that's just the way he's wired. He likes problem solving. He likes kind of practical things. I'm really rubbish at practical things. Um, but, you know, this is part of kind of what our core purpose is. And so here's my thought today. In other words, what is your gifting? What is your passion? What is your talent? What are your skills? What is your core focus? What, what makes you, if you had some footprints in the snow, in the sand, where would they lead? And so, this is just the beginning of a journey. If you want to pass one around, there's a worksheet we're going to start. But actually, here's the interesting thing. I'd like everyone to take one, because this is not going to be finished today. Really, this isn't going to be finished today. I've had one person I've been working on with this for nearly 12 months now, trying to understand their core purpose. Um, he's a CEO of a company. Just let me explain. He's, he's not a Christian yet. But I got to meet him, and I meet him once every couple of months. And I, he, he's a multimillionaire. He's, he's earned all his money through technology and those kind of things. Um, and uh, I met him at, at, at the, uh, in, in a, um, the Institute of Directors in London. I'm trying to think of a way of abbreviating, but the Institute of Directors in London. I met him there, and we just got talking probably three years ago now. And I meet him from time to time. And he said to me, we were having a coffee together. He said, Dave, do you know what? 
he said, I don't know what life's about anymore. And I kind of felt God whispering in my ear, this is a conversation you need to join in, Dave. So I did. I joined in the conversation. I said, well, let, let's go on a journey together. He said, what do you mean, Dave? I said, well, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Remember, this is a guy who's not a Christian. I said, well, what makes you tick? What, what, do you, what, what are you really passionate about? He said, Dave, I'm, I'm not really sure. He'd made all his money. He's, you know, he'd made a lot of money with technology. He'd sold the company. And now he's saying, well, what do I do? I'd love to be in that position, but I'm not. But, um, you know, that was the question he was asking me. What do I do? Well, you know, what, what's my life about? He said, he got up on some mornings and he said, I don't know why I'm getting up this morning. He said some mornings he'd stay in bed till 12 because, you know, he's a bright guy, single, you know, but he just said, what's it all about? And so I went on a journey with him and I, over a, a, quite a period now, we've been, I've been asking these questions, you know, what's important to you? What do people say about you? And so you've got a worksheet there that you can do in your own time, but we're going to start today. We're going to start today by you helping everybody else in the room, everybody else in the room, to start their homework. So let me explain. Would you get a pen out? There's Sharpie pens on the table. Would you write your name on the piece of paper? Somebody has me. Make sure you've got a copy as well. I want everybody to join. Would you write your name on a piece of paper? Yeah, yeah. You write your, that, that sheet of paper is yours. That's your worksheet. Okay? Just so that if it gets mislaid, because there'll all be lots of other sheets around, you can find yours. Okay, what we're going to do is take some steps towards trying to work out what one another's core purpose is. So do you want to click on some things? This is, I've done the homework, I've done this before. So um, this is my, one of my core purposes. This picture here. So I'm not talking about my CV, that's my CV. I'm not talking about um, you know, my life. I'm not talking about the conversations that I had. Those are different representations. This is actually the last six months of social media conversation all summarized in one picture, kind of things that I talk about. But if I want you to imagine you get into a lift with someone who you really like to kind of have a conversation with. I don't know who that might be for you. Maybe it might be Richard Branson, might be, might be Alan Sugar, might be, might be Theresa May. I don't know who, who you'd like to have a conversation. But I, I want to ask you about your elevator pitch. And I want to ask you about what you would say. Now, the thing about an elevator pitch is when you get into a lift, into an elevator, you've got a certain amount of time as the lift goes up until you get to whatever floor you're going to. I was in London last week. I got into an elevator. It was quite a slow lift. I had about seven minutes. I was chatting to the guy in the lift and saying, you know, who do you work for? And he told me, and immediately we're into a different conversation um, about some technology. But that's because I have a sense of really kind of working out what buttons I want, God wants me to press. So I don't know whether you know what this sign this, this is. Anybody know what that is? Do you have one as a child? It's a slinky. It's a big spring. My grandfather had one that he gave me. It's a big spring. I don't know where it is now. I don't know. It may have even been lost. It's a, it's a children's toy. It's a big spring, and if you put it on the stairs, it comes down, and it follows itself, and then it comes down. And I've been told that if you, if you let it go at the top of the stairs and there was a never-ending stairs, it would keep on going forever because it's about releasing potential energy. And this whole picture for me sums me up because I guess I'm, I help people to unlock potential. 
And that's my two words that I got. So that's what I carry around in my head. If you, if you broke me out, and I think that's probably what I'd say down the middle, something like that. And that's where I'd like you to get to, is a sense of, that's what I'm about. Now, why does this matter? Why does this matter? But you know what? Sometimes when you've got a choice between A and B, if you choose the one that's closest to your core purpose, then you will be more fruitful. You'll be more energized. It'll be something. And I can unpack this all in Scripture. I'm not going to do that this morning, but I can unpack this in Scripture in terms of destiny, talents, gifts, all of those things. This is not kind of, I'm just using a different language this morning. Because I want to provoke. I want us to take this maybe to other people as well. I'm using this with non-Christian friends as well. And talking through these things, but help to unlock potential. So the idea, I did this with the youth group. Ruth, were you there when I did this? That's no, before your time. But I did this with Josh and with Alex and with Dan and with Joy and with Hannah, about 20 young people. And let's, let's just, just go there for a moment. I did this with a group of young people, and there were some strangers in the room. Because this morning, you will look around the room and think, I don't know some of these people as well as I, I do. So... At youth, on a Friday night at New Road, we had 20, 25 young people, and I did this. I started this exercise. I said, what I want you to do is to write down some phrases on post-it notes about some other people in the room. So something I would say, oh, let's pick on Jill. Something I would write down about Jill is you're an encourager, Jill. So I'd write encourager down on my post-it note, and at some point in the service, I'm going to stick it on that piece of paper. Okay, so that's the task that we're going to, in the moment, start doesn't have to stop, but, you know, start. So, and what, what you mustn't do is write down great big long sentences. Just short little phrases. One, two, three words. Write them on a post-it note and collect them and then go and give them when you find time and go stick them on that person's paper. You might think, I don't know anything about, I don't really know what Charlie likes. I don't know what football team he likes. I don't know what he likes doing. I just know he's a, he's a bouncy boy full of energy. So I'm going to write, Charlie's energetic. It's full of passion. And please, guys, don't just think about the adults. Think about the children here too. And the teddy bears, if there's a teddy bear. Let's, let's bless the teddy bears as well. Um, my point is that we can write some things down and we can share them with other people. Now, here's the thing. If people keep on saying the same thing about you, if everybody tells you you're an encourager, then you're probably an encourager. If nearly everybody uses a word and says, you're always peaceful, you're always calm, you're always unstressed, then you're probably pretty peaceful. And part of this process for me is about distilling down to those things that people say about us. And so, these are the things that I say about myself. These are the two, these are the two pairs of words that I came to about myself. Firstly, it's about touching tomorrow. I guess that's about being prophetic. And secondly, unlocking potential. So here's my challenge to us as church this morning. I'd like you to start on that journey. I'm going to play a piece of music in a moment. Um, it's a video. And in the four minutes or so that that takes, I'd just like you to sit with a pen and with a post-it note and just look around the room and look at somebody. And if you kind of look at Norman or Julie or Alice or Yasmin or somebody, you know, and you think of something, write it down. And then by the end of the service, I'd like you to have delivered your post-it notes to the people that you wrote them about. Okay? There's plenty of post-it notes. We've got a whole bag full of post-it notes. We will, we will not run out of post-it notes. There's plenty of pens. Please, they are sharpies, so don't write on the table with them. Because then we'll have a bit of a problem taking the, the pen off. But um, Does everybody understand the task in hand? Yeah?
So not long sentences. One word's fine. If you want to write two or three one words, then that's fine. So we're going to start now. This is not finished. What I'd like you to do when you go to the end, I'll, I'll tell you that at the end of the video, actually. So let's start now. Let's write some things. You don't need to deliver them yet. Just sit and write.
So you've started, I've seen some post-it notes being drawn on, written on, and again, if you, uh, if you prefer to draw, you're a picture person more than a word person, by all means draw a picture, just make sure the picture's clear. Um, so later on in the service, towards the end of the service, I'm going to encourage people to deliver their post-it notes to the people they belong to. They don't have to be there, go and stick them on their piece of paper, that's why I encourage you to write your name on your piece of paper. How many people have seen that video before? Okay, just my wife. Okay, it's about the Hoyt family. And Dick Hoyt has a disabled son, and uh, he um, is constrained to a wheelchair. And you know the interesting thing about it was um, his dad used to be do uh, triathlons and marathons and those kind of things, and his son would be there at the finish line. And his son managed to communicate with his dad and say, "Dad, I want to join you in the race." And the first thing his, his dad said, thought, and he shares this, that's impossible. My son can't enjoy, join me on the swim. He can't join me on the bike ride. He can't join me in the run. Then he said, why not? And so this is uh, now in his 60s. I think he stopped doing it now because it's just too much. But he, he took his son, so he rides a bicycle with an attachment, with, with a, 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 um, a, a thing on the front with, it, with his son sitting in it. He swims and he drags a, an inflatable boat behind him with his son in the boat. And he does it an Iron Man. And if you look at the end of the video, you see the smile on his son's face when they together cross the finish line. I just think, wow, there's a man who has a vision. There's a man who has a purpose to see his son ful fulfilled. He has core purpose. So, okay, I've got you started. Some of you are still running. You're, you're not even with me right now. You're still writing. That's okay. That's fine. We're going to come back to worship now, Ruth, if that's okay. If you can get your head back to worship, having written some things. Um, so, up until now, I've been talking about your gifting, who you are. You know, a gift is useless unless it's unwrapped. If I gave you a present at Christmas and you kept it wrapped up, and you just put it on the shelf and it was still there gathering dust one year, two years, three years later, what's the point? Now, if we are gifts to, to God's creation, we have gifts, then we need unwrapping. I don't mean we need undressing, I mean that we need to be used. People need to use us, because that, that's what makes a gift feel valued. Have you seen the film Toy Story? Have you seen the film Toy Story 1 or Toy Story 2 or Toy Story 3? I have You have all three of them. Can you name a character, Charlie? One of the characters in Toy Story. Buzz Lightyear, yes. And he says to infinity and beyond, yes. Can anybody else, because I'm not just going to let the children get away with this, can an adult name a character? Oh, go on then. Woody. Woody, thanks, Jill. Yes? Yes, yes. So some of you are going, who's Jess? Jess? Jess is some children's favourite character. 
you know, toys and the toys like to be played with. They like to be used. They don't want to be sitting on the shelf not being used. Because that means they're purposeless. And remember, I was talking this morning about your core purpose. And so I want to talk about if you are a gift and then you want to be used, how can you be used? And I believe the place to do that is to put yourself in a place where you're available for someone to unwrap you, to use you. And so let me read to you one story from the book of Acts, chapter 8, beginning at verse 26. You might know this story, but let me read it to you. Now, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go to the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charged of all of her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in the chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake his chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of another man? And Philip opened his mouth and began at the scripture, preaching Jesus to him. Now he went down the road and they came to some water and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart that you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he, co he commanded the chariot to stand still. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. You know, he made himself available. He went and he caught up with the chariot, and then he overheard the guy reading scripture. Now, I could turn this into a modern-day parable. Just imagine if somebody said, I want you to get into the second carriage on the train from Waterloo, the 335, I want you to sit in a seat by the door, and someone sits next to you, and they're reading a book, and they're reading it out loud. You know, sometimes people read things out, you can just hear them talking. Now, other people do it as well. So you can't avoid but hearing it. You, you, can't, you can't ignore it, they're reading out loud. But then in overhearing it, you, you kind of say, I, I'm sorry, but I overheard what you were saying. And then you get into a conversation. And this happened for me, and I've shared this story a bit before now, but I was sitting in Starbucks, actually in Ealing. I think I was on a meeting. To, I was going to have a coffee with either Juliet or Maggie because I was in Ealing. And I was sitting in Starbucks. Now, having worked for the police, I've learned that you sit in certain places so that you can see everything else that's going on. I didn't realise I'd absorbed this, but I now find that I sit in certain places in certain coffee shops, and I sit where I can see everybody. And I was sitting in this, in this uh, Starbucks, and it was a V-shaped Starbucks. So I sat in the table right in the corner, and I could see that direction, I could see that direction, I could see who came in the door, I could see the serving list, I could see everything. But the end that I was sitting at was very narrow. 
And then a, a, a girl came in and she sat down on a table. She looked like she was from somewhere in Europe. I don't know why I thought that, but she did. And then another girl came in. Uh, I guess she was African. She sat down on the table next to her, sitting there, obviously waiting for somebody. A friend came in. They greeted one another. They hugged. And they sat down. And they, start, they got coffees. And they start, started talking. And they were, they were quite clearly school friends who'd gone away to university. And this was the first time they'd met. They were meeting over the summer holidays and talking about everything that was going on at university. And they weren't shy, they weren't proud. Everybody else in Starbucks heard the conversation. Everybody else could hear it, because they were so passionate about it. They started talking about different things, and they were sharing about different things, and everybody else could hear. And then one of the girls started talking about um, someone had been sick in their CU at university, and they prayed and they'd been healed. And the other girl was going, yes, amen, that's brilliant news, fantastic, yes! Yeah, and I, was sitting there, I was sitting there at the end of the restaurant going, yes, 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 this is good. But on the table next to them was this European girl. And then they talked about somebody who'd become a Christian who'd come to Christ. And they just sharing their testimonies. And I saw this girl bow her head and I saw tears fall onto the table in front of her. And then she got up and left. I didn't get a chance to say anything to her. I was, she was too far away, but uh, she, she just so, suddenly got up and left. And I, I felt God say, I, I, I ought to do something about it. So I went up to them. I just said, look, I hope you don't mind, but because you were so excited about it all, I couldn't help but overhear your conversation. I'm a Christian too. It's really exciting that you're having a good time at university, but I want you to know, because I don't think you would have seen this, you were speaking to the girl sitting on the table next to you. I went, really? Were we? I said, yeah, I don't know what seeds you've just sown, but you have definitely just sown seeds. So, you know, you never know why you're going to be sitting somewhere. Um, I, I travelled up to London for a meeting with a bunch of guys, including Norman, you might have been there, Terry was there, Big John was there, and we went to a meeting and we came out after, we said, shall we have a coffee? And we went and had a coffee and somebody picked a coffee, somebody said, let's go in here, this feels good. I don't know whether they meant that felt good, but we went into this kind of American diner with these great big bench seats. And we sat down and we were talking passionately about things that God was doing. And Terry got up to go to the loo. And he got up to go to the loo. And as he walked past the next cubicle, a hand reached out and grabbed him. I said, can I just have a word with you? Could, would you mind sitting down? Terry told this all to me afterwards. He said, this guy's just been listening to our whole conversation. And he asked me, you know, why we were so excited about being a Christian. You know, and he got to share his faith with this guy. So it wasn't just a chance meeting that we were in this coffee shop. You know, we were sowing seeds too. And so if God encourages you to take a particular seed, if you feel an unction, if you just feel a, a nudge, I'd, I'd, I'd honestly, I'd go with it. I'd go with it because you stand the chance of blessing someone. You stand the chance of blessing someone. So here's a story. And I, I want to kind of end my whole thing from today by showing you a video from someone who you'd never believe would have an impact. Who's heard of Nick Wojcik? Okay, Darren has a few of you. I think I've played a couple of these videos in church before now. He was born without arms and legs. Yeah, so now, now you suddenly remember. You didn't remember his name, did you? It's interesting. But do you know what? He's now become an evangelist for Jesus. And I'm going to play a quick video about it because, do you know what? It would be so easy to write him off, but God uses him in amazing, incredible ways. Um, and he's not limited by the fact that he hasn't got arms and he hasn't got legs. You know, he said, I have hugged 
thousands of people. Now he can't put his arms around people, but people somehow he touches people and he was speaking and I think he might even share this in the video. It's a four minute video. He shared with the, a room of uh, high school girls, high school kids, uh, teenagers, um, and he just started talking to them and in the middle a girl put her hand up and said, I'm, I'm sorry, she said, um, and she started crying. She said, can, can, I, I've never interrupted a, somebody speaking before, but she said, can I come and give you a hug? He said, in the end, the whole assembly came and hugged him. So let me play you this video as a challenge to don't wipe yourself off. Nick didn't. I was born in Melbourne, Australia, 1982, and my parents had no idea that I was going to be born without arms or legs. I was the only one that they ever saw without limbs. My faith in Jesus Christ was sealed after seven years of wondering why God I was born this way. Uh, he answered me very clearly through John chapter 9. And I gave my life to Jesus at 15 after reading about how he came across a man who was born blind. And I'm like, hey, hold on a second. This looks interesting. <laughs> and no one knew why he was born that way. I'm like, perfect. So I read on in verse 3 of the ninth chapter. Jesus said it was done so that the works of God would be revealed through him. And I'm like, wow, God, if you had a plan for the blind man, you do have a plan for me. And that was the beginning of my personal relationship with Jesus. Youth groups were starting to call me. Churches were starting to call me. Opportunities were opening up everywhere for me to share my testimony. I was speaking in front of 300 sophomore public high school students. Three minutes into it, half the girls were crying. One girl in the middle of the room started weeping. She put up her hand and she said, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but can I come up there and give you a hug? In front of everyone, she came and she hugged me. She cried on my shoulder and whispered in my ear. No one's ever told me that they love me. No one's ever told me that I'm beautiful the way that I am. I couldn't believe it. It changed my life. At that moment, I knew God was ministering to her through me. It's not by my speech or my power. It was God. And my heart was ignited with a passion. And it was an awesome day to see one soul transformed forever. That was when I knew I was called to be a worldwide evangelist. <laughs> In the first seven years of ministry, God opened up doors for me to speak 2,000 times across 44 countries on six continents, from university campuses, 40,000 students in China, to India, where we're talking to sex slaves, to crowds in the jungle of India, 110,000 people, down to Indonesia and all of Southeast Asia, to speaking at congresses of nations like Colombia and Costa Rica, 
when you see the leaders of that nation commit that country to the Lord Jesus, to career and speaking to the next generation about depression and suicide, and to Eastern Europe where we did Serbia, Slovenia, and Croatia, then doors in the Middle East, the message of hope was spread throughout the whole Arab world. That is God. And we know we've just begun. By the grace of God, we have seen face to face a half million souls say yes to Jesus and be plugged into a local church. As crazy as it sounds, our goal at Life at Adam's ministry is to preach to every single soul on the planet. Seven billion people. We believe that this goal is possible as the Holy Spirit is gathering an army and building up supporters to send us and accomplish this mission. But this all takes support. And yes, I ask for your prayers. Pray for us. Pray for our board. Pray for our staff and our team. But we could not do this much where we've come this far without the people who financially support us in actively sending us to complete the mission before us. We are praying by faith that the Holy Spirit speaks to you about supporting us and becoming a partner in helping us to accomplish this awesome mission ahead. God is good. And all the time. All right. My story is a story of redemption. Help us share it with the world so that others would be free indeed. Challenging thoughts. Really challenging thoughts. I don't know whether you've thought about as, as you watch that video, one of the things that came to me was, do you know what? He has to be incredibly trusting because everybody comes and gives him a great big hug. And I, I guess sometimes people hug him too tightly. You, you ever been hugged by a great big person who doesn't know what they're doing? And, you know, ooh, you, you kind of feel the breath is being squeezed out. He has no way to be able, I mean, I guess you could say, let me breathe. But, you know, we, we could at least push other people away. He has to, he yields himself to each person. So he's... Make a difference. That's my challenge to us this morning. Let me, um, let me close in prayer. I think it's a good place to kind of end our service today. Take up our tithes and offerings in a moment, but let's pray. Father God, thank you. That, thank you for everyone in this room. Thank you for those who are listening later. Thank you for those who are, are listening, streaming right now. Father, we thank you for every life we've connected with today. Father, I pray that you will help each one of us to make a difference. Lord, not because of who we are, but because of who we are in you. Father, help us to step into destiny. Help us to step forth into purpose. Help us to be gifts that are well used by others around about us. That we might shine forth your light and your purpose. Speak boldly to others in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll take up our tithes and offerings. Um, yes. Okay.